Okay, we are in a Sefer Tzvarim, Divri Hayamim Aleph, Perek Yudalid, Pasuk Aleph, Vayishlach Churam Melech Tzor. So we saw yesterday, unfortunately, an attempt by David to forge the nation together behind the retrieval of the Aaron Bris Hashem, the Ark of the Covenant, from Kiryas Yerayim, where it had been stranded for 20 years, back to Yerushalayim, where it belonged. It failed partially because of a mistake in calculation that David made in transporting it by wagon when it's supposed to be carried on the shoulders of Levites. But that is just a temporary setback, as we're going to see in Yosh Hashem tomorrow, when his second attempt is far more successful. In any event, we're going to see it doesn't harm his stature, which is growing daily, as we're going to see. It doesn't harm his standing among other nations, and we're going to, most importantly, it doesn't harm his military prowess, of which, as we're going to see today, he has lost none of it. So we begin by Yishlach Churam. Churam, as it says in the uh, Cree, is Chiram. Chiram Melech Tsar, Melochim El David. Chiram is, as we, in English, it would be called Hiram of Tyre. Tyre is in what is today Lebanon. Chiram of Tsar was one of the most powerful kings and nations, certainly at that time. He had made Tsar a commercial giant by its huge merchant marine cargo ships that traveled from Africa to Europe. Uh, they had accumulated great wealth, and he sees David as assuming power, and the truth is, not only for political reasons, as we're going to see, there was a genuine affection between Hiram and David, and then later on Hiram and Shlomo. So seeing the ascension of David, Hiram, of course, wants to make an alliance and befriend him. He sends him the famed cedars of Lebanon, that wood product, which is so highly esteemed. The Harshe Kir, um, wall, stone masonry for the wall. The Harish Eitzim, wood, live note low bias, to build a house for David in Yerushalayim, a, a, a house befitting a king. He sends all the products. He sends the craftsmen. He sends the artisans to David. And David knows that now the Kaddish Baruch Hu has made him the king of Israel. And the Mephoshim asks, well, how does he know what, what's given him the clue? The Radak, and let me read it to you, When he saw that foreign kings from nations not related to Israel, certainly not Jewish, are sending him these lavish gifts, he felt he must have arrived as king. Moreover, um, 
Ba'avur Amol Yisrael. And the Kaddish Baruch Hu has lifted his Malchus above anything he had anticipated. And here is the key phrase, Ba'avur Amol Yisrael. And the Mephoshim cite that this shows the modesty of the man, the humility, because he's saying it isn't because of him that the Kaddish Baruch Hu is showering these signs of greatness. It's Bavur Amo Yisrael. It's because of Israel. And you're going to see every chance Jibri Yamim gets, they're going to show David's greatness, David transcending the, the normal morality, the normal standards of, of a king. And now, Vayikach David owed Noshim Yerushalayim. We saw David had taken a number of wives when he was king in Hebron. Now he takes them in Yerushalayim. Vayola David owed Banimu Banos. He gives birth to other boys and girls. These are the names of the sons that he gave, his wives gave birth to in Yerushalayim. Shamua, Veshovov, Noson, Ushlomo. Only problem here is Shlomo really isn't fourth in the birth order of Yerushalmi-born sons. He is first, but we will attend to that later. Vayivchar Elishua, Ve'elpolet, Ve'noga, Ve'nefeg, Ve'ofia, Ve'elishoma, Ube'yoda, Ve'elipolet. And so he has many sons that continue with the sons he had his wives bear in Hebron. Now, we are going to test David's military prowess. This is the first military threat he will encounter in Divrei Hayamim, in any event. Vayishma'u plishtim ki nimshach David lemelech al kol Yisrael. Vayalu kol plishtim levakeshes David. Vayishma David vayetze lifnehem. The Philistines hear that David was anointed in king I'll call Yisrael, over all Israel. What they're saying is that when David was king of Hebron in seven years, he wasn't even on the Philistine radar, as it were. They viewed him as some sort of provincial leader. Don't waste our time with him. We've got bigger fish to fry militarily, the Plishim saw. Now, he is head of a United Nations, headquartered in Yerushalayim, this could be a threat. They came seeking David. And seek does not mean they just came to say hello. They're coming out for war. David hears this and goes out to confront them. The Plishtim come and array themselves in Amek Rephaim. And here's a, a good question. Amek Rephaim is, as we know, right outside today the Chomot of Yerushalayim. How did they get that far without anybody responding? They've traveled an awful long distance to Amek Rephaim. And now David sees the, the threat. And by the way, um, this forms the basis of David's famed Tehillim Beis. Let me just read the first sentence to you. Why are these nations hurrying to come up against me? The kings of the world. They're coming to confront 
the Kaddish Baruch Hu, and his anointed one, that's David. So Niskana es Mishmar saying, we will not fear, we will not worry, the Kaddish Baruch Hu is with us. And we're going to see if we get to Tehillim, that this Tehillim forms the basis of many of David's experiences, and this is certainly one of them. So now the Plishtim are coming. Uh, and David is justifiably worried. Uh, so what he does, as a king is allowed to, consult the Urim Vitumim, that breastplate on the Kohen Gadol. Vayishal David Belohim, Lemor Plishtim, should I go up out in combat to confront the Plishtim? Unisatim biyadi, and will you give them into my hands? So now, we know from Yuma, Samach Gimel, that it gives us a sort of framework for when one consults the Urim Vatumim. And one of the things it says you don't do, you don't ask two consecutive questions to the Urim Vatumim. If you do, you're only going to get the first one answered. Doesn't David here do exactly that? Halela plishtim, unesatam biyodi, will you give them into my hand? And the Gemara uses this as an example and says no, and I think it's fairly obvious. It's not really two questions. It is really a two-part question in that, shall I go up and engage the plishtim in combat? And the truth is, why go up and engage them in combat if you think you're not going to win? And so therefore, will I win? So the Gemara accepts David and that way of framing the question. And so the Urim V'tumim answers him, Vayomelo Hashem, Alei, go up, engage them, Unisatim biyodecha, I will give them into your hands. Vayalu b'val pratzim, they engage them in a place called Baal pratzim. Vayokam sham David, he defeats them soundly. Vayomer David, parats Elohim, the Kaddish Baruch Hu, broke through to me as through my enemies. Yade keferetz mayim, like water streaming, breaking through barriers. Alkain, karu shem, hamokom hahu, Baal pratzim. Therefore the place is called to this day, Interestingly, the Plishtim are so routed that they leave their very valuable Avodah Zorah on the battlefield. Vayomer David and David commands the soldiers, burn them in fire. At first glance, this is logical because we are not allowed any hanah, any enjoyment from Avodah Zorah, from the icons, the idols. But on the second hand, a question arises. In this version of the war, in Shmuel Aleph, it says David carried them off. He and his soldiers carried them off. So which is it? Did he carry them off and carry them off canotes that he would use their inherent intrinsic metals and gold for his own use, or did he burn them? And so the answer the Mephorshim give is that he was waiting for a specific person 
Iti Hachiti, who was a Philistine, but had left their fold, had, you know, just defected from the Philistines. He had the power, a Philistine had the power to nullify the Avodah Zorah quality of the thing. And he was waiting for him to be able to nullify it so he could carry it off. So he did both. He burnt them in the tent. The intent was to burn them until this man came, nullifying their Avodah Zorah quality, thus allowing Jovit to take them and use their value for metal, gold, what have you. But now the Plishtim are recouping. They are not put off by this resounding defeat. Now they gather in the valley. And David asked the Kaddish Baruch Hu, meaning the Urim Batumim again, This time, no, do not go after them. I am going to give you, as we're going to see, an alternative strategy. Hosev me alehem. Encircle them from the rear, uvasam lachem mimu habachayim, and come behind them, behind the trees, a certain kind of tree. You are going to encircle them from the back, and the mefarshim just use this as they will use many instances of showing the greatness of David. One that he would ask the urim betumim a second time. He would think that the first permits the second battle. Two, that you're being told, no, don't confront them. You've got all the military advantage confronting them. Don't do it. Rather go around them, risk detection, risk them seeing you. David listens. And I am going to give you a sign, says the Kaddish When you hear the wind rustling in the tree shop, I am going to create a deceptive device where the Philistines hear something rustling in the treetops and think, oh, they're approaching. Because the Kaddish Baruch is going before you to beat the Philistine armies. A tremendous preemptive defeat from Givon to Gazra. David goes out to all the land. Hashem, in other words, his reputation. Hashem nosan es pachto al kol The fear of David is now in every nation. David is a major international player, as it were. Now they are in awe of him, and now emir Hashem, we are going to see. 8.45 a.m. tomorrow, the second attempt to retrieve that stranded Aron HaKodesh in Beis Ya'orim. You will not want to miss it. 8.45 sharp. Be there. Ad Khan.